Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Christopher Wallace. Now, if you're ever someone who's gone, look, I really want to know how to make sure that my team understand what's going on with our leadership team. If you want to make sure that the CEO and you know the person who's sweeping the floors know exactly the same thing, are on the same level, are focused on the same goal, then this is the episode for you. Or if you want to make sure you're someone that has that in place, as your team grows, you will not want to miss this. So Christopher Wallace of Interview breaks all of this down. We talk about how you can apply that, how it's also affected many companies during uh, COVID, all these different sorts of components as well. Now, as I said, if you're someone who wants to know how to lead and grow a team really effectively, you will not want to miss this. And of course, if we can help you lead and grow your marketing, head over to marketingmogul.com.au. Be more than happy to help you out a few case studies and whatnot there for you as some resources to help you get results within your marketing as well. But without further ado, let's jump into the show. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Good, sir. Really appreciate you making the time. Kim, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, Chris, I always like to start my podcast off with the same question every time, which is, if I met you at a party and we've crossed paths and we've started talking and I come up to you and I'm like, Chris, what is it that you actually do? What's your normal go-to answer? What is it that I actually do? So, I mean, the easiest way to describe it is my organization, we help companies really connect what's happening in the boardroom with, with what happens in the showroom. So we're very much about taking company strategy and it really helping translate it and get it downstream to their people. We're very much employee advocates and trying to make the, the lives of the employees easier. So they then in turn can help uh, make the customers' lives better and easier. So it's really about connecting what happens in the ivory tower to what happens down at the front lines every day. Mm, awesome. I love that. And now, with your experience in that, for people when they hear that, they're like, oh, but maybe I don't have an ivory tower. Like how many people do you start to notice where there's like a bit of a disconnect between, you know, the the management or the the hierarchy, if you will, and, and the team? Like, is there a certain level where you've seen that kind of kick in more so than, you know, like two people? It's kind of hard to have that just that that big distance between it. What stage have you seen where that disconnect kind of starts to happen? It's an excellent question. You know, size-wise, it's really, it, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the typical client we work with is usually a larger size organization. It doesn't mean that the challenges don't exist, you know, in, in, in smaller organizations. And I think you can sort of trace it back to a character, a characteristic more than a size. And I would really say the characteristic is any organization that's really led in a top-down way typically has these challenges. So when it's the, I've got my idea, and then I'm going to I'm going to kind of push that down to the rank and file, whether you're a small business or a larger organization. It really comes down to that style. So if it's a more collaborative style and collaborative culture, you find that there's just a much more unified understanding of what needs to be done. If it's a top-down approach, you find that engagement drops off from each level. So I guess technically the bigger you are, the more you know rungs in the ladder there are to sort of fall off, so to speak, in engagement. But um, again, it comes back to that style, though. You could be a small organization and have this challenge. Yeah, right. Like if I'm someone, and just to say that I'm doing this in my company at the moment, so we've got a team of 10, and let's just say that I'm, I'm doing this unknowingly. How do I know or how do I pick up 
that I'm doing this. If I'm a leader, because I'm assuming you guys would kind of be engaged by the by the management teams to come in and and to work on this. How do I actually even know that I'm not doing this? I'm not communicating properly. I'm not passing down things. Like, what's the first indicator that you kind of see when you go, "Oh, this is where a company that we need to jump in and be able to help them." Yeah. So I would say that um, a lot of it comes down to there's the management team gets a really good sense of whether or not, you know, it really comes down to are people telling the story and delivering the, the sort of the value proposition the same way. And having run small businesses for a number of years now, I've seen that where, where I can just tell that somebody who represents me is just not, it's not clicking. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times it, it really sort of becomes that, that observation and, and, and sort of over time, you're recognizing some of those challenges and once again, that doesn't matter if you're a small organization or a big organization, but sort of our, our go-to question when we're talking to potential clients is how confident are you that that story is getting retold consistently time and time again? And they all sort of shake their head and they're like, we don't have that confidence. So it's sort of a, a combination of, of observation and, and a lot of times just gut intuition that people just aren't getting it. Let's just say, so someone's like identified it and maybe they're not at the stage where they can kind of bring you guys in yet to, to help them out. But what's a few of the first things that they need to do? Like, where does the disconnect happen? Like, what's the first, like, if you, I always like to think of things like a, a chain or a flow. It's like, what's the first kind of flow that people need to address or the first chain? Like, where's the weak link that they need to go and go, cool, we have this and we have our message and our story and over here, it's not getting done. Where's like, where, where's the first place that you guys would normally start? Yeah, so I'll go back to to you know my first response about the about the you know the management teams being a top down style. It what happens with top down is the information goes one way and it just mm-hmm. keeps getting pushed down. It really comes you know comes in with you know trying to get that two way dialogue going. It's really it's it's listening right to, to to listen to and understand the people who work in your organization. And this could be you know we focus on revenue generation. We focus on the sales and marketing side of the house primarily, but this really, this is just leadership 101, really. It's listening to the to the, the group of people that you're trying to move from point A to point B, understanding their perspective, and, and really helping, you know, to, to drive a more collaborative solution. Now, this isn't necessarily, you know, leadership by committee. That's not what we're talking about. But you find it's a lot easier to get somebody to do something. If you can get it, if you can make it their idea versus it being your idea, really does start with listening to them and understanding them. Because the more they have the chance to share their input, the better you can understand and the better you can sort of, we use the phrase alignment all the time. Alignment's about communication, right? It's about connecting in two directions. That's the first step is listening. And, and, and as, as simple as calling somebody in your office or doing what we do, where we do organization-wide, you know, sort of employee studies and really understanding where things are aligned or misaligned. Awesome. I love that. And so if there is a, a misalignment, how how often is it a misalignment where it's like, cool, maybe it's the wrong person's been brought into the company? And then when it, where is it where it's like, cool, well, maybe it's just that things haven't been articulate. Like, do you find both? Or is it a lot of the time mostly it's the articulation, the engagement, the buy-in? Or can there be that is that also a big identifier that maybe you've also hired people on the wrong basis because you haven't been communicating that mission message well as well? I'm going to answer that a little bit differently. And I'm going to say that the problem is rarely in the strategy. From what we find, the problem is rarely that the organization is is being mismanaged and they're being led astray with, with some strategic path. To be honest with you, most organizations aren't bold enough in their strategy to really 
miss the mark, especially larger organizations are usually pretty safe with their strategic pursuits, save for a few trailblazers. But it's usually not the strategy that's off. It's usually not the the person who is, is setting the direction. And that's completely wrong. It usually just comes down to execution, right? It's failing to paint the people who have to execute the vision into that vision in the first place. And people are busy and there's a lot of priorities and yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing from corporate, you know, that type of thing. Execution is really where it falls down. So, you know, I'll come back to the idea of the two-way dialogue. It's hard to blame one or the other. It's kind of a chicken or the egg conversation. It really comes down to both sides need to better understand one one another. And the mechanisms that that companies big and small use today just are are woefully inadequate to do that. The, the, The methods that they use are just outdated. Yeah. So when we're working with people, obviously, we're, we're, we specialize in paid advertising. We work with a range of companies from small to, to quite large as well. And obviously, for a lot of the times when they're, when they're bringing people in, they're, they're trying to instill in them. And they, even we get the information as marketers where it's like, cool, they pass over vision, mission, values. Because I think as well, when, when you have small companies that are growing, things like that sometimes can be pushed by the wayside because it's like, we just like, there's five of us, there's 10 of us, let's just work, let's hustle, let's make things happen. How, how important are those three, if you will, like traditional kind of like leadership aspects, the vision, mission, values, or, um, or do you guys have a different approach to that? Like how, do you, how important do you see that as something to get set right from the very beginning so that you can avoid these future issues as well as you grow? Well, I think to, to your point that in small organizations, it's critical. Um, you know, I we we had somebody in the first business that I started. We brought in somebody who was maniacal about this. He really instilled in me how important that is to have a north star, right? To to really have you know to have a set of guidelines for your organization that were really going to help you make decisions. They were decision making tools. They weren't just lip service. And man, that has really stuck with me. And in, in, in the organizations I've run since, I'm pretty maniacal about it now too. But I think, you know, that's for small organizations. But as you get bigger, those same principles really, really still hold true. Whether it's mission, vision, values, or, or brand principles or brand promises, whatever that is, having some sort of a codified structure um, that people can look to to make decisions and guide their behaviors. This is all about behavior, right? It's all about guiding behavior. If people are just fueled by money or, or incentives or or promotion or bonuses or whatever the case may be, you're, you're not going to achieve what you need to. You're not going to achieve alignment. Alignment really comes down to people lining up behind a set of principles. So big or small, I still believe they're critical. Mm, I love that. And so and when you said there, the, the structure, right, to, as the guiding light to make decisions, is it so... So this is say I've, I've got those things sorted. I, I've worked it out with my team and we're all on board with that. Are you saying that like that, like if you're making decisions, you run it through your principles or your vision, mission values, you run it through that. And it's like, cool, if it ticks all the boxes, then it's something you do. And if it doesn't, then that becomes like the, the easy way to kind of disqualify things and even disqualify, I suppose, people as well, if they don't align with that before they come on board. I think it depends on how big or small the decision is, but I think for bigger decisions, it becomes that you go back to your rule book and you look at it and you say, you know, give you an example. My business personally, we turned down uh, the opportunity to compete for an RFP for, for a piece of business that turned out to be quite large. And we turned it down because we actually went back to our mission and said, does that piece of work serve our mission? And my business partner was like, it really doesn't. I said, then we don't do it. Like, it, 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 you know, we're not going to take ourselves astray. But I also think in large organizations, what we try to instill in them is, some of this you want just to become second nature, right? You don't want necessarily people going, 
a lot of organizations think that you put the poster up in the break room and that means that people are going to go back and they're going to follow it. But, you know, I'll, I'll, let me just give you one example. An organization mm-hmm. we work with, a large global pest control company, and they, they, uh, they have brands in Australia as well, but they're based here in the States. And we went in and we worked with one of their teams or one of their, their uh, subsidiaries. And we asked them, what were the hallmarks of their brand? What was, what was the hallmark of what made them such a great company to do business with? And this was a high-performing company. And we asked their people, what's, go- what's so great about what you do for your customers? And they gave us that feedback. We codified what they told us. So this wasn't coming from the top down. This was coming from the bottom up. And they told us what made, it, what made their organization so great to do business with. And we built a campaign to remind them remember that like this is what makes you so good and as part of that it actually made them focus on it even more just stating it just the opportunity for them to think critically about it and be intentional about it led to better close rates better customer satisfaction scores all the things that you want to see in a business in terms of optimizing your customer relationships all those metrics went up of employee retention all went up significantly just because we asked them what they loved about about what they did and how, what they did for their customers and reminded them of it. So you want it to become second nature, but at the same time, it's worth highlighting what makes an organization special. Mm, awesome. I love that. Once people get these things in alignment and they get the things working and rolling, like how important then is the indoctrination process when a new employee comes in and how have you best seen that executed in a company where you're like, well, these guys actually have it on point when you, because obviously it's, if you're revamping or you're coming in and as you said, you're bringing, you're doing an employee wide study and you bring everything together at that one point in time, like it's not easy, but like obviously all the people in the company are fully aware and on board with what's happening. Then when you try and add new people in, how have you best found the way for companies to indoctrinate the people into what they've, you know, if they've got all the stuff lined up, what's the best way when bringing in new people to make sure that they are in alignment with all of that as well? How, like, what have you seen as some of the, the really good tactics or strategies that people have implemented for that? The, the absolute best way, whether they're a new employer or existing employee, to be honest with you, the, the absolute best way to get people on board for these types of things is through peer interaction. That, that, that's the absolute best way we've ever found. When people say, how do you, you know, engagement is such an overused phrase. You know, a lot of times people don't even know what that means, okay? But you know, how, do you, how do you keep employees engaged? If you want them to take pride in their job and you want them to take pride in the work that they do and the workplace that they go to every day, giving them the opportunity to interact with, share ideas with, and innovate with their colleagues and innovate doesn't mean that they're necessarily inventing new products for the organization. It can mean they're sharing insights on just you know ways to interact and serve customers that's better than the way they did it before. So organizations that put a construct in place where employees have the opportunity to interact with one another, learn from one another, and people say, well, where, where are we going to find time for this? You think about all the training time, especially large organizations put their people through, and it's you know computer-based trainings and it's a lot of top-down box checking type of mentality. If a structure was set up whereby there were regular touch points, weekly, bi-weekly basis, where they were interacting with their peers, that normative model is going to really help, as you said, indoctrinate people just by helping them uh, tap into the expertise that resides in their colleague group. 
Yeah, awesome. I love that. And so obviously at the uh, at the time of recording this, we're in the midst of all the crazy coronavirus going on, all that sort of stuff. How are you seeing people adapt to, especially those that have maybe become and been like, cool, more peer-to-peer, they've become more person-to-person where they're doing the interaction and building that engagement internally in a company. Now that, and I'm assuming that you guys are pretty similar to us, where now everyone is pretty much working virtually um, and connecting on, on Zoom calls and things like that. What are some of the pros and cons you're seeing or maybe some of the gaps that you're seeing kind of pop up in organizations because of this adjustment? Or, and also, what are people doing really well? Well, uh, I mean, it's a loaded question. The one thing I would say is I've never seen this in, in, in my lifetime. I've never seen an environment change more quickly than things are changing right now. We're, we're talking about, you know, from a, from a Monday to a Thursday, we're, we're seeing the evolution of the way that people are approaching this and it's changing so rapidly. But this is what I can say. What I have noticed is organizations went from, you talked about earlier, run, 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 Right move super fast. Everybody's got a million priorities and nobody stops to take the time to listen to one another or to communicate effectively. But as the chief marketing officer of the pest control company I just mentioned said to me, he said, we're all kind of becoming communications experts right now. And I think it has forced organizations to done two things. It's forced organizations to really think about how they're talking to their employees. And the employees went from running to a dead stop And now they're looking at their leaders saying, communicate with me. So it's sort of the perfect storm of people recognizing how important this is. So it's almost as if what we do, where we were filling sort of a critical gap before, in an instant, organizations had to figure this out and how to to, interact with their people. So I would say that um, I give a lot of organizations a lot of credit for the way that they're handling it. Um, there's a lot of things, a lot of habits they're getting into now, a lot of employee surveying and not like annual job satisfaction stuff, but like, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? How do you feel? And they're getting that on a regular basis, on a daily, weekly basis now. So I think that those are all very good trends that I think are going to help organizations when this sort of passes. But it also, you, know, you run the risk that, you built up that expectation during this time. And then if you go back to business as usual and you stop doing those things and people get busy again, then you very quickly be, you know, get out of misalignment. There are, I would say there are more good habits being developed right now inside organizations at this time than bad ones. The question becomes, do they stick with them or not? Mm, and, that, and, and that was going to be my next question. And you, you kind of led into it nicely, which is based on what you've seen with companies and the way that they interact and if they are putting these habits in place now, how do you see them managing most effectively the process of keeping them? Because like, obviously, as you said, things can things get busy and they ramp up again. Like, how do people keep those? Like, just to say that, for example, like we had a gentleman on the other day who does a lot of leadership training as well, and he was telling me, like, now we're seeing that you know entire companies are doing Zoom calls twice a day. They're all on all videos, all communication, and it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the cleaner, you're all on a call together every day, twice a day. How, like, obviously, as you said, these things can drop off afterwards if if people start to make those changes when they go back to, you know, whatever the new normal ends up being. How do people keep in if, if they've got those good habits and those good communication processes and interaction and, and work with clients, I'm sorry, with, uh, with with their stakeholders and their employees, how do they keep, how do they keep that once that once everything returns to whatever normal ends up being? Yeah, so, so I'm going to give you sort of two answers to that. The first is, Scheduling a Zoom call doesn't 
doesn't equal communication, right? The, the method that you use, and to be honest with you, there really is an art to sort of the virtual interaction that frankly, most organizations aren't good at. Just keeping the, the daily call scheduled and things like that, yes, that's not going to continue, but it probably shouldn't continue. Smaller working groups having, having time set aside excuse me, that is considered sacred and they have the opportunity to, to come back together and to, and to interact and problem solve is, is really critical. So, so mm-hmm. keeping some of that time on the calendar, but, but pushing it down further to more like the, the team or unit level, level and not necessarily the whole company it is really important. But the, the second part of my answer, it's really going to come down to there are some things, the new normal is going to look different than before. And I resisted this pretty hard for the first two weeks of this whole crisis. I was like, Listen, we're going to snap back and, and, and people are going to go back to normal. And I'm very far from that, that conclusion right now. And a lot of it, people, remote working is going to persist. And in some cases, you know, some, some employees may never go back to, to a structured uh, office or, or work environment. Call center agents that have been moved remote. We work with a lot of call center um, you know, companies that have call centers. And we know companies that have moved their entire teams remote and they're not going to bring them back. So that creates a whole other level of challenge. It's now these are people who had that that community rallying point. They had a place that they went. They had that human interaction. Now you have all sorts of things like isolation, uh, team dynamics, all sorts of other challenges that crop up. So I really think that organizations not only need to look at how do we keep sort of a cadence of contact going with people, but get out ahead of some of the new challenges that this is going to create and anticipate them and not wait six or nine months after this and then start addressing them after the fact. They need to get way out ahead of the fact that there's going to be isolation, disconnectedness, people feeling like you know, loss of sense of team. There's a Harvard Business Review podcast that was released. I think it was last week's episode. It's their FOMO Sapiens podcast. And it's all about employees in the Philippines, call center employees that were moved to remote. And, and they thought it was going to be great for their, their work-life balance and all this. And their employee retention rates started falling off the cliff. They didn't anticipate the other challenges that it was going to create. So I know that's a long answer, but there really are a couple layers to this that companies need to consider. No, that's good. I, I like the the detail that you went into with that because I think it is important for people going, well, cool, yes, when things return, you can't just keep doing exactly the same as what you did before. Things will will adjust and you do have to base it on your individual, your your company and the structure that you have. And if you have remote staff, the, the impact on that as well so that you can really get used to it. So it's, um, no, it's, it's interesting and I appreciate the insight that you shared there as well. Now, as we're nearing towards the end of our time together, I always like to ask what, one final question, which is what's a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? So one of my favorite questions to, to answer is sort of why companies struggle with this. Okay. Mm. And, and, and I addressed it a little bit. Why do, why do companies struggle to take the vision that they have and the great strategy that they've built and they struggle to execute it, right? They struggle to get it downstream. We talk about the game of telephone a lot. Why does that message break apart as it goes, you know, further down the line? And, you know, the answer to that really, you know, comes down to, you know, people think, well, it sounds like such a hard problem. It sounds like it's something very difficult to address. Why do companies struggle with it so much? And, you know, what we find is companies typically go back to the constructs that they know, 
Okay. We want employees to do something. What can we do? We can send them an email. We've done research on this. What do they do? They send them an email or they put them through a product training or they go back to all the same levers. They pull all the same levers that they've always pulled, but they either pull them harder or they pull them faster, or they just keep throwing money at all the same things that they did before. And what we really encourage organizations to think about is this doesn't have to be any more expensive or any, any more hard. You just have to be willing to look at it from a slightly different angle right? So the struggle really is not that their training's bad. And we're not, we're, we're, our organization is not, doesn't exist to bash training. Training's not bad. It's just simply not enough to reach the, the, and engage the employee of today. They don't think of themselves differently as employees as they do consumers. Their habits are very similar. And we really encourage organizations to approach their, their internal audiences the same way they do their external audiences. Convince them sell them, market to them, really look at them as a group to be won over, not a group to be forced into compliance, but you can't get there. You don't, you know, we always say you can't train customers to love your brand. You can't train employees to love your brand. You really have to reach them on a different level, an emotional level. And that requires new thinking and new tactics. So, you know, in terms of questions, I mean, I love the question of why do companies struggle? It's because they keep doubling down on the same things that haven't worked for years. And they think more of something that doesn't work is going to add up to something that does work. And it's just not the case. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said there about the you've got to you've got to sell your like the employees still need to be sold. They need to be engaged the same the same way. So, you know, like there's a uh, a great book we went through not long ago as a as a team, which was Never Lose the Customer Again. But equally, you could replace that with Never Lose an Employee Again. It's like the same content content context and structure you would take to retaining customers should be applied to um, employees as well. So, I really love the the way that you've described that there. So that, that was perfect. Thank you so much for that. Now, if anyone that's been listening and they've gone, look, I've actually absolutely love what, what Krishna shared. I want to find out more about what him and his, uh, his company are up to and what they do. What's the best place for people to be able to connect with you? I'll give you the website is, is a great place to learn more about the, the company. It's interviewgroup.com. And just so you know, it's I-N-N-E-R-V-I-E-W. So taking an interview of your company and marketing strategy, looking inside your company. So interviewgroup.com. Um, and then personally, feel free to le- reach me on LinkedIn. Now, Chris Wallace is not an uncommon name. So I'm in Philadelphia, PA, USA. So if you look for Chris Wallace at Interview Group in Philadelphia, it's a great way to reach me, but also email. I'll give you my email. It's cwallace at interviewgroup.com. Once again, it's I-N-N-E-R-V-I-E-W. So um, that's, those are the best places to find me. Awesome. Amazing. Love that. And guys, wherever you're watching or listening to this, um, we'll have those details in the show notes so you can jump on. And, and if you have to click through to the site to check them out, or uh, they'll be listed in the show notes there as well. And if you know anyone that has a company that maybe they've struggled with some of the things that we've shared before uh, earlier on the show today, then please make sure you share this episode with them and, uh, and get this in their hands so they can get some of the uh, the wisdom that Chris has shared with us today. Um, and Chris, thank you again so much for making the time to join us today. Really appreciate it. Kim, thank you so much. Have a great day. Cheers, my man.